I am so glad that each of you are here this morning. This is the fourth uh, message in a series of five messages around this whole idea that we've been talking about, game plan for life. And I want to really, really encourage you to bring somebody with you next week. I have the advantage of knowing where I'm going with that message next week. And I would just encourage you, if there's people that you work with that you've been talking to about God or you've told them about your church or they know that you're a Christian, I would encourage you to invite them. Or it may be a family member that is not involved in a church. They're not really plugged into a church anywhere. And uh, maybe they've hinted at the fact that they'll come to church with you sometime. And I just want to say next Sunday would be a really, really good time uh, for you to invite somebody to bring them with you uh, next week. What we're going to be talking about is just so uh, very important to the future of everybody's spiritual life, but it's going to be an opportunity for uh, your friends and your family and your coworkers to hear something uh, about God that maybe they've never really even thought about uh, before. And I think it's going to really help them. So be sure you bring them with you uh, next week. We've been praying this prayer. I've been encouraging you to pray this prayer during this series. God, uh, show me what is your will for my life. God, would you just really reveal uh, your plan for my life? Now, in the very first week of this series, uh, that when we started it, I, I talked to you about how that God has really, you could take uh, every verse in the Bible from like Genesis 1 through Revelation 22, and you could take any verse that had anything to do about the will of God or, or God's will for your life, and that you could take it and categorically speaking, you could put it in one of three uh, compartments. Uh, one would be God's providential will. And if you were here that week, you know that we spent some time talking about God's providential will, which is, which in essence is essentially this, God is God and God is big and powerful. Uh, therefore, God can do whatever he wants whenever he wants. And people can say, well, I don't want that to happen. And nations and governments and leaders and others have said, hey, we don't want that to happen and we're going to stop Christianity. And, um, God's going to do what God wants to do. Uh, even Jesus said, I mentioned this to you on that very first week. Even Jesus said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. It's not going to be able to stop the forward motion that God intended for his body. So God has a providential will. God is God and God's going to do what he wants. God also has his moral will. And his moral will, as I shared with you that Sunday, it's like when you read the Bible and the Bible, and I'm just simplifying this, of course, but when you read the Bible and the Bible says, I don't want you to do, God's speaking to us, I don't want you to do that, then that's revealing what God says, hey, I don't want you to do. That reveals God's moral will. Or God says, hey, this is what I want you to do. I don't want you to do this because it's going to hurt you. It's going to harm you. It's going to bring some ruin to your life. It's going to bring some discouragement to your life. Your life is not going to function at all in the way that I intended. And, and I don't want that. It's going to stymie your joy. It's going to erode your happiness. I don't want that to be a part of your life. And you're going to have guilt. You're going to have shame. So I don't want you to do that. And Instead, here's what I want you to do. That's God's moral will. And his Bible says, in fact, a lot of times when you and I are saying, well, you know, what is God's will? What is God's game plan for my life? A lot of times we can say, well, the Bible's already dealt with that. I already know what the Bible says and the Bible reveals. So God's providential will and then the God's moral will that is revealed in his word. And then there's, there's
there's this part that, quite honestly, we think a lot more about, and that is God's personal will. Like, what does God want for me personally? I know God is God, and God can do whatever God wants to do. And I know God has His Word, and there's some things He wants me to do, and some things He wants me to not do. But, but for me personally, in my like every day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year kind of life, What is God's personal will for me? And so we're going to continue with that this morning. We've been speaking uh, into it, but we're going to continue it here today. And so to do so, I want to ask you to, uh, to consider something. Have you ever had this thought? Well, you know, if God would just send me, if God would just send me a text message, if he would send me an email, if he would shout it into my headphones, if he would drop a note straight from the sky, then I would know exactly what God would want me to do. I would know, you know, should I apply for that job? You know, there's an opening in my company. Should I take this other position that's been offered to me, another company? Uh, do I go back to school? Uh, you know, should I marry that girl? Should I marry that guy? Should I buy that house? Should I rent for now, save some money for a down payment? You know, uh, what, what I do, do we have kids? And if we're going to have kids, how many do we have? Do we have one? Or as I encourage, you know, my married sons to have uh, about four each, five maybe, you know, at a minimum just to get started. Uh, what is God's will concerning my finances? What is God, you know, do I buy the car? Do I not buy the car? And all of us have wondered that, you know, it'd be so nice if God would just send me like a very specific message. Now, a lot of times you and I have had this thought, maybe I shouldn't speak for you. Maybe I should speak just simply for me. All of us have wondered, why does it seem at times so difficult to hear God's voice? Have you ever wondered that? Why does it seem so difficult to hear God's voice? And I do everything. You ever thought any, something like this? I do everything that I know I ought to do. I, I go to a quiet place. I get alone in a quiet place. And while I'm in that quiet place, wherever that is, I, I get really still. I'm trying to remove any distractions from my mind. And I try to be real quiet so I can hear and discern God's voice. Because God will speak to us in quiet moments like that. And, and so there's times we, we do that. It's like I... I walk away with a sense of what God wants me to do. But how many of you have ever been like me? You go, you get along in a quiet place, you get real still. And then all of a sudden, while you're trying to hear God, you remember about 17 things that you forgot. Has that ever happened to you? Like, oh, I knew I forgot that. And okay. And, and then it happens like that. Now that's happened to us all. Now here's another situation. I want to just mention on the front end of this talk. Have you ever wanted something so badly? Think about this now. Have you ever wanted something so badly that you spoke to you on God's behalf? Have you ever done that? You just wanted it so badly, you spoke to you on God's behalf. And it generally goes like this. And perhaps all of you, all of us, because I've done this in this room, uh, we've done something like this. Well, I know God wants me to be happy, and this, whatever this is, will make me happy, and so that must be God's will. And we justify our decision, and it may be the furthest thing from what is God's will. So at times, because we want something to be true, whether we want to consider it God's will or not, we speak, you know, you speak to you, I speak to me on the behalf of God. Now, it brings us to this thought, and a lot of people wonder, 
is God still speaking today? Is God, you know, has he like closed up and he's not doing that? You know, God is still God and he exists and he loves me and he's got a plan for my life. But maybe he's not really speaking uh, anymore like he once did. And I want to give you some very good news. And I want you to hear this now. Here's some very good news. God is still speaking. God is still speaking. God is wanting to speak to you and God will speak to you. Furthermore, continuation of good news. There is a God and he is a powerful God and this powerful God knows you. And in addition to that, he loves you and he has a great plan for your life. And it's more than just God having a great plan for your life. He wants to communicate that plan to you. And so God's going to do everything within his power to make sure that you have the opportunity to understand as you pray, God, what is your will for my life to reveal that to you? Now, I want to be very, very practical in the balance of our time, which is about 26 minutes from now. I want to be very practical in the balance of our time. And in so doing, I want to ask you three questions Three questions in regards to God's plan, God's plan and our decisions. The first two, let me just say this. I'm just going to briefly mention, and then it's the third one that we're going to spend some time in. All right, so first two questions real quickly. When we're getting ready to make a decision because we're, th- we're th- uh, thinking about God's will and our decisions, how do the two come together? So first question, when we have to make a decision, you with me? When we have to make a decision, we're having to make decisions all of the time. When we have to make a decision, is the decision that we're going to make consistent with the Scripture? Again, we're back to God's moral will. What does the Bible say? Is the decision, and if we're saying, well, you know what? This is what I feel I ought to do, but it seems to be in conflict with the Word of God. Well, then we've got a problem because, trust me on this, go with the Word of God and forfeit your own emotions and feelings. All right? You with me on that? Go with God's word, forfeit your own emotions or feelings. Here's why. Your emotions will lie to you all the time. How many of you realize that? Your emotions will lie to you. Your emotions will tell you different things. Your emotions in the morning, by the way, will tell you things that are different that your emotions will tell you by the end of the day. Uh, Your emotions will tell you something different when you're like revived and energized versus you're like tired and depleted or worn out or discouraged or whatever the case. Go with God's word. So it's the decision you're going to make consistent with scripture. Second question is the decision you will make consistent with who God created you to be. Now, it may be a good thing, but is it what God created you to be? Is it what God created you to do? Now, again, a lot of things could be said about this, but this third question is the one we're going to spend time on, and it's really, really important, and I want you to be sure you get this. All right, third question is this. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Because that really, really weighs in a lot on you discovering God's will for your life. This matters a lot in regards to finding, either finding or forfeiting God's game plan for your life. Just who are you listening to? And to help us in our journey and in our discovery today, here's what I want us to do. I want us to take a visit with a leader out of the Old Testament, a guy who's got a very cool name. You may want to hang on to it if you don't have a son yet, and you have a son, you may want to name him Rehoboam, all right? Just a thought, Rehoboam. And if there's anybody in the Bible that is born with a very impressive pedigree, it is certainly Rehoboam. Anybody here, uh, you can just call it out. It's, it's okay. Anybody here remember the name of Rehoboam's father? 
Solomon. It was Solomon. And if Solomon was his father, then who would be Rehoboam's grandfather? King David, all right? And who is Solomon? A lot of you know, uh, some of you perhaps don't. Uh, Solomon's like, it's recorded like as the wisest, outside of Jesus, like the wisest, wealthiest guy that ever lived. I mean, just tremendous amounts of wisdom. Not that every decision he ever made was smart, but he was, he was wise. You read about his life sometime and had enormous amounts of wealth. And so uh, this is Rehoboam is Solomon's son. He is the grandson of King uh, David, you know, the one that we've been mentioning. In fact, I'm going to spend more time on David next week. And just, again, I want you to bring people here for that. But uh, David, um, you know, shepherd, the national hero, we talked about that, became uh, this famous king. So Solomon the king has now, nearing the end of his life, I want you to just set up what you're about to see in just a few moments. Solomon the king has turned the kingdom over to Rehoboam, his son, just prior to his death. Now, what really factors into this story, and we're talking about today, who are you listening to? Because that's really going to come into play. And I'll give you a thought that you'll want to carry out of here a little while later. But um, Solomon, uh, when you look at the long history that he had, he had uh, conflict with a pretty powerful leader by the name of Jeroboam. And so Jeroboam, uh, at the death of Solomon, Rehoboam's father, and the kingdom is now being turned over to Rehoboam, uh, Jeroboam, knowing that there's been this great, great conflict, that they have been bitter enemies, he and Solomon, for a long, long time, he approaches Rehoboam, and uh, he's essentially just trying to offer an olive branch. It's like, you know what, Rehoboam? Uh, this is Jeroboam speaking. Uh, that gets confused. Jeroboam, Rehoboam, you know, all the Boam brother. And so I know that your dad and I, this is what Jeroboam is saying. I know that your dad and I have been bitter enemies for a very, very long time. But quite honestly, you know, Rehoboam, it doesn't have to be that way. If you're for it, I'm for it. Let's turn the page on this. Let's move beyond this. Let's not even point fingers. You know, it was his fault, my fault. Let's not do that. You and I can start afresh. We can have a good relationship. It's going to be good for the people of Israel. It's going to be good for the people in general. It's going to be good for us. And I'm totally open to this. How about a fresh start, Rehoboam? And so he really kicks it into uh, Rehoboam's decision-making capacity. So uh, with that, now that that you know that background. A lot of verses. There's about 12 verses we're going to see here. So you're going to have to follow along. Now I want you to see what happens. All right. This is 1 Kings chapter 12. And hang in here with me. I'm going to do a little bit of reading. All right. Rehoboam went to Shechem for all the Israelites had gone there to make him king. Remember his dad Solomon has just died. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he returned from Egypt, and it tells us where he had been. He was still in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon. Remember the conflict now. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, your father put a heavy yoke, speaking of Solomon, put a heavy yoke on us, but now, Rehoboam, lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and here's what we will do, and we will serve you. Rehoboam answered, go away for three days. Let's pause there for just a moment. So far, so good. Would you agree? What are you saying? Give me a little bit of time. Hey, I need to process through this. I need to ask some questions. Ask some questions. I need to maybe consult some people. So uh, I'm buying some time is what he's actually doing. Go away, he says to Jeroboam and the people of Israel, for three days and then come back to me. 
So the people went away. Look at this next part. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon. Another smart choice, by the way, during his lifetime. How would you advise me? I've got three days. This is what Rehoboam is saying. I've got three days. I've got to render a decision. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. Now, here's where it starts going off the rails a little bit. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted, look at this, here's where some uh, real um, unwise choices start showing up, consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. So, uh, you know, he goes from like the elders that had served with his dad that had a lot of experience, now he's talking to his high school buddies, wanting to get their opinion, and he says, how should we answer these people who say to me, Lighten the, low, uh, lighten the yoke your father put on us. Look at this next part. The young men, completely different answer. The young men who had grown up with him replied, tell these people who have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Tell them this. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Now, early on, think about this now, in his new place of responsibility, Rehoboam has a monumental decision he's got to make. And the decision is this, who am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to the wise elders who were proven, who were experienced and had the best interest of the nation in mind? Am I going to listen to them? Am I going to listen to them or instead, will I listen to my high school buddies who are at best reckless and impetuous? Please listen. I want everybody to listen to what I'm about to tell you because this is really the important part of this talk. So I want you to hear me. Who you are listening to most will definitely determine which way your decision is going to lean. The people that you are listening to the most are going to help to determine the decision, uh, the direction of the decision in which you're going to lean. Now, here's a better way of saying it. And this I'm going to mention intentionally two or three times before we're done. And I want you to get it. You may want to jot it down somewhere. You may want to commit it to memory. But this is so important, no matter who you are, no matter how young or old, male or female, this is really important. Listen to it. The people that you listen to are a preview of the future you. Let me say that again. The people that you listen to are a preview of the future you. So, you know, taking that into consideration, who are you listening to these days? When you're talking to people about your spiritual life, who are you listening to most? When you're talking to people about raising kids, who are you listening to most? When you're talking to people about managing money, who are you listening to? The people that are doing it well, people that just have good ideas. Uh, when you're talking to people about your marriage, who are you listening to? The people who have not a perfect marriage because there are no perfect marriages, but who have a great marriage, who have grown, or people who are at the same place that you are in your marriage. Who are you listening to in regards to your health or your fitness or your habits or your addictions? You're saying, well, hey, I'm talking to somebody that, you know, they 
have the same habits I do, and they're doing about the same as, I, uh, as I'm doing. Or they may be doing a little bit worse than I'm doing. So who are you listening to in any domain of your life? Because who you are listening to is a preview of the future you. So Rehoboam has this enormous decision that he's got to make. Who am I going to listen to? Whose advice am I going to follow? These wise, experienced counselors that worked and collaborated with my father, or am I instead going to listen to my high school buddies? Well, I want you to take a look at what happens next. We read just a moment ago, verses 1 through 11. Now we're going to pick up at verse 12. Look at what happens right here, all right? Here it is. Three days later, again, he bought some time. He talked to some people. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam as the king had said. Come back to me in three days. The king answered the people how? Can anybody say idiot? All right. I, I didn't mean to say that. It just jumped out. The king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young men and said, I'm going to read this, but you can go back later and you can see that basically what Rehoboam does is almost word for word, he responds to Jeroboam and the people of Israel, almost word for word from what he's got from his high school buddies. My father Here's your answer. You want to know what we're going to, my father made your yoke heavy. Guess what? I'm going to make it even heavier. You're worried because my father scourged you with whips. Guess what, boys? I'm going to scourge you with scorpions. And who he listened to made all the difference in the world. Now, I'm, I don't have the time to get into this this morning. You can go back and read it later on your own. But what happened is ultimate disaster strikes. There is this consolidated uprising and rebellion that occurs. And the kingdom, which should have been unified, the kingdom of Israel, which should have been one, is torn into. And, and the problems and the disaster that follows is enormous. And where does it all trace its way back to? It traced its way back to who was Rehoboam listening to most? Who you are listening to, listen, friends, goes a long way in determining God's will and God's plan for your life, whether or not you're going to fulfill it or you're going to forfeit it, because who you're listening to is actually a preview of the future you. I talk to people all the time and, and I'll, you know, in discussions and, and they'll say, well, I've got a, uh, I've got a friend and this is why, you know, they're trying to make a decision uh, about something and they're saying, well, Hey, I got a friend and I talked to my friend about this. And let me just tell you, pastor Jeff, this is what my friend said. And I'm thinking the whole time they're repeating what this person has said. I'm thinking, Oh man, don't do that. And I'll oftentimes tell them that if we got that kind of relationship. You know, I, I don't say idiot like I did earlier, but I'm like, Hey, I don't think your friend is giving you really good advice. And then sometimes Sometimes I'm talking to people and they're like, hey, Pastor Jeff, I've got to make a big decision. Hey, I talked to somebody about this and they seem to be wise and, and they start laying out the kind of, uh, you know, coaching and counseling they're, they're getting. And I'm saying, you know what? That sounds pretty wise to me. That sounds like they're being led in the, in the right direction. And so what happens in this particular circumstance was a tragedy that actually could have been completely avoided had Rehoboam been willing to listen to the right people. Now, here's what I know about you, all right? Let's shift from Rehoboam's story now to your story. This is what I know about you. I know that you want to make wise decisions. I am confident from my head to my toes that you want to discover, but not just discover, but that you want to do God's will for your life. 
So when you are getting ready to make a decision, it is always a wise thing to begin where we talked about just a moment ago. This decision that I'm about to make, is it in alignment with or is it in conflict with God's word? Is it in agreement with the Bible or does it go against what God would say to me in his word concerning his moral will for my life or for anybody's life for that matter? All right? So I've got to make a decision. Is your decision consistent with God's word. Wave your hand at me if you, if you heard that, all right? You heard that. All right, here's another thing. Is your decision, I mentioned this earlier, is your decision consistent with who God created you to be? Just because it's a good decision, just because it's a wise choice, doesn't necessarily mean that it fits your own unique design that God has created you with. But then here's what really matters a whole lot. Are your decisions, if you're getting ready to make a decision, are your decisions being influenced and weighed out by wise and godly counsel? Friends, this is hugely important. I, I wish, I, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that yells and screams and raises my voice and, you know, stands on top of this table. I'm not sure I could get up here. Even if I could, I'm not sure one of you would have to help me down or two of you or however. Uh, that's not me. But with every bit of passion that is within me, I want to say to you, this matters a whole lot as to whether or not you're going to know and walk in God's game plan for your life or you're going to miss it. One writer actually says it like this, choosing the right friends is like putting together our own personal development team. It will greatly enhance our efforts in moving forward on the right path. So who are you listening to? All right? Because who you are listening to is actually a preview of the future you. Now, I think you know, without me ever uh, having to say it, but I'm going to say it nevertheless, I love you guys. I really do. Every one of you. I take my responsibility seriously, all right? Uh, I take my responsibility serious. Um, for reasons that still I can't wrap my mind around, God would entrust uh, you know, uh, you to me in terms of uh, a pastor and sort of church relationship. And I take that very seriously. When I'm praying, I'm praying seriously. When I'm researching and reading and studying, I'm doing that seriously. When I'm writing out a talk, I'm doing that seriously. Why? Because I love you guys and I want God's best plan for your life. But you know what? Here's what gives me great encouragement. God loves you even more and God's love for you is perfect. And so what I wish what I wish that God would do. I really, I really wish that God would make it easy for you. I really do. I wish God would just say, all right, you know what? They've got to make a decision. Uh, I'm going to send them an email, as I mentioned earlier. Or, you know what? I'm not even going to send it that. Uh, I'm going to send it to them, but I'm not going to send it that quickly. I'm going to send them the answer. It's not going to be email. It's not going to be, it's going to be snail mail. So I'm, they're going to get it a little slower. Or, you know what? I'm going to part the clouds. I wish God would do that. I wish, as Sting would say, he'd send you a message in a bottle. I wish that would happen. All right? Probably not going to happen. Uh, an audible voice, that would be good. I, I wish that God would speak to you through your pet. How many of you would love that? You're just looking at your cat one day, and your cat saying, meow, this is what God wants you to do. And you're like, really? And, uh, ruff, 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 you know, God is talking, you know, and you're saying, does that happen? Well, it happened one time, you know, Balaam's donkey spoke to him. And, and you know what's amazing about that story? I was reading that in my devotions recently. Well, you know, he's just beating that donkey, and that donkey's stopping and, you know, 
know, sitting down and not going forward. It's because the angel of the Lord had a sword drawn. It was actually like uh, kill Balaam. And, uh, you know, and Balaam, uh, Balaam's donkey can see the angel of the Lord with a sword drawn in his hand, but Balaam can't. And so he would just stop and Balaam just beat the daylights out of that donkey. And finally the donkey had had enough and he turned around. This is what the, this literally happened. The donkey turned around and he said, why are you beating me? Now, you know, that is, how many of you, that's amazing to you. That's amazing to me. You know what is even more amazing to me is Balaam actually spoke back to the donkey. Hey, like, this is normal. You're speaking, hey, I, you know, if I could talk, Dr. Lou, well, that's a whole, whole nother deal. Well, wouldn't it be easy? You know, how many of you have a cat? All right. How many of you have a cat? All right. Wouldn't it be great if you could go home today, give him a little meow mix, and he'd just speak to you God's will. Wouldn't that be great? All right. How many of you have a dog? Let me, dog lovers. All right, great. Bulldogs. How many of you have bulldogs, English bulldogs? I mean, these are the real people of God right here. All right. How many of you have another animal besides a dog or a cat? How many of you? Uh, my grandbabies have little chickens. I tried to get one of them FaceTiming yesterday. Go catch that little chicken. And she's like, slow down, chicken, slow down. And so she's, it'd be great if those little chickens would speak to them. The rest, But that ain't, that ain't, that ain't going to happen. Excuse my English, but that ain't going to happen. All right. I know you love your cat. I know you love your dog. I know you love your chickens. I know you love your, your pet monkey. I know you love your, your lizard. I, I know, but they're not going to talk to you. But God often speaks to us through a wise mentor or a godly friend or a mature, solid Christian. And it resonates with you. And it's in agreement with God's word. And then if the timing is right, friends, here's what I want to say. Let it rip. Let it rip. Go for it. Go for it. Do it. And as we get ready to wrap up, because I only have a few more minutes left, I want you to think for just a few moments about a traffic light. How many of you know that there are three colors on a traffic light? How many of you have ever been behind somebody and they were waiting on a different shade of green when the light turned green? <laughs> All right? But generally speaking, there's just three colors. Have you ever said that? I've said that. Now, you know, I, I, I God still, how many of you are glad God's still working on me? How many of you know you don't have a perfect, I don't say it out loud. I don't hang, but I'm like, I've said to myself under my breath, what shade of green are you waiting for? I mean, really? Let's go. And I, because I don't want to, I don't ever want people to honk their horn at me. And that happened this week. Somebody honked their horn at me and I'm not going to tell you why, but they honk their horn at me and I don't want to honk. But I'm just, but primarily three colors. All right. So think of a traffic light. Think, first of all, uh, about, uh, you know, uh, a red light. Sometimes when you get ready to make a decision, you're going to get a red light. You're going to get a red light. Now, whenever God tells you no, a red light, whenever God says no, you've got to be clear on this. Please hear this. It's going to help some of you because you've been struggling with this of late. When God says, and it's something, remember how I mentioned to you that sometimes you speak to you on behalf of God? And you're like, this make me happy, therefore it must be the will of God. And you know better, but you're just trying to justify and convince yourself uh, because you really want God to say yes, and you know that God is saying no about whatever it is you want to do. When God is saying no, when God is giving you a red light, please hear me on this. This is really important. It is not because God is trying to punish you. It is because God is trying to protect you. God sees something that you cannot see. So sometimes God's just going to say no, all right? What's the other color, all right? Not red. And that's one down. 
Yellow. How many of you know what that one means? Some of you said speed up. No, that is not what it means. Yellow means speed up. I tried that recently. I was doing a, uh, a funeral out of town near Jacksonville. I had to leave from that, and I had to quickly get to the airport for a flight in Daytona Beach, and I saw a yellow light, and I was just, okay, it's going to be close, but I, I can make it, and I'm like, I made it, and I felt real good about it till I got a ticket in the mail that was almost $200. I'll never do that again. It's like once it's, I don't, I'm trying to forget it because I think I could have done this with this money. I didn't want to write a check just because... I sped up when I saw a yellow light. Don't do that, all right? Don't do that. Yellow does not mean speed up. It means what? Slow down. And sometimes God is going to say to you, hey, I'm not saying no. I'm just saying to you, slow. I want you to slow down. Don't be in such a hurry. This This may be right for you, all right? This may be right for you, but the timing is not yeah. Does that make sense? Wave at me if it does. So it may be the decision that ultimately you're going to need to make, but it may just be, how many of you know this? Let me say it this way. Uh, the right decision made at the wrong time can be a wrong decision. Right decision, wrong time can be a wrong decision because the timing wasn't right. And sometimes God's not going to say no. He's just going to say, hey, yellow, slow down, slow down, not speed, slow down. And then there are these wonderful times when God gives an unmistakable green light. Your decision that you're about to make is consistent with the truth of God's word. Your decision fits your God-given design, your talents, your abilities, your gifts, your passion. You're in the sweet spot of what is God's ordained timing for your life. And when that happens, you just move forward. You go because you're going and you're following to the best of your ability that green light indicating God's game plan for your life. Now, a word before we're done, and I'm going to pray. A word about green lights. Green lights, and you need to understand this because a lot of times, hey, it was green light. I don't understand why I'm having problems. A green light does not mean that the outcome is going to be perfect. A green light does not mean that it's going to be without challenges along the way. So you do your best, do your best to do not your will, but God's will. Jesus even prayed that, not my will, because he saw that in that moment, his will might be in conflict with God's will. So you just do what you sense to be to the best of your ability, God's will, and then you trust God. Here's what you do beyond that. You trust God with the rest. Pray, God, show me your will for my life, and then we commit the future to God's hands. So in this last minute, I want to ask you, who are you listening to? Because who you're listening to is a preview of the future you. Rehoboam could have listened to wise and godly counselors who had the best, the interests of the nation in their hearts, and that would have rendered some really good things for hundreds of years to follow. But instead, he rejected And he chose to listen to those that he had grown up with who were, as I mentioned earlier, impetuous, brass, and just saying, hey, you know, here's what you ought to do. And he followed it almost to a T. Always remember this. The people that you listen to are a preview of the future you. Would you stand for our closing prayer? You know, the best decision that you can make right now is to give your heart to Christ if you're not yet a Christian. It is God's will that you would be saved. 
The Bible says God is not willing that anybody would perish, but that all would come to repentance, that all would have a change of heart and mind and would follow his son, Jesus. If you're here today and you've not yet decided to follow Jesus, and this morning you want to become a Christian, you want God to give you direction in your life. You want God to show you his plan, his will. You want to be sure that you're following the plan that's going to be best for you, and God knows you better than you know you. If you're not yet a Christian and you want to say, hey, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. I need God to guide me. I need God's will. I want to live my life in a way that's going to bring peace and joy, not guilt and shame. I want to live my life in a way that's going to bring fulfillment, not frustration and failure. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand, and I want to pray for you right there where you're standing. Would you just lift your hand? How many of you, one last thing, how many of you, it, maybe it's not this week or next week. Maybe it's not even before the end of the year. We've got three months left, about 90 days before the end of the year. And you may not even have to make a decision by the end of the year, by December 31. But you know in some area of your life, there is a decision coming that's going to have to be made. And you'll just say, I've got to make a decision. I see it coming, and I want to be sure I do God's will. If that's you, just wave your hand at me like this. I've got to make a decision. I've got to make a decision, and I want to be sure that I do God's will. All right? So today in your heart, if you were praying to receive Christ, just pray a simple prayer like this. Dear Jesus, I need you in my life. I want you to save me. I want you to forgive me. I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. I know left to myself, I'll make a mess of my life. I need you. I want you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I will follow you. I will follow your voice. I will follow your will. In Jesus' name. And then, God, I pray for every person. So many people lifted their hand, and they've got to make a decision. They see it coming. They know it's right around the corner. And for many of them, they don't know what to do. They're perplexed. And they've been asking questions. And maybe like Rehoboam, they've been seeking some counsel. I pray that they'd listen to the right people. I pray that they'll make decisions, God, that is in keeping with who they are, how you wired them up to be, and decisions that will be consistent with your word. Because above and beyond everything else, we want to do your will. We want to follow your game plan for our life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I love you, everybody. Be back next week. Be sure you bring somebody with you. Have an awesome week.